invite you to open your Bible tonight to two separate places. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 37 and uh, Matthew chapter 5. Our text is Matthew chapter 5, but I'll be referring to Psalm 37 since Jesus quotes from that psalm, and I think it really helps us understand um, what we're about. So Psalm 37 and Matthew 5, we'll begin in Psalm 37 and read the first 11 verses. Tonight we're looking at the uh, concept, blessed are the meek. Psalm 37, let's begin at verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the, in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And then if you turn to Matthew chapter 5. I'll begin reading at verse 2. He, that is Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's our text tonight, chapter, uh, verse 5 of chapter 5. Blessed are the meek. Uh, tonight, I think we come to one of the most overlooked and misunderstood of all the uh, Beatitudes. Uh, the first two um, Beatitudes, I think, are pretty familiar to every Christian. Uh, the Beatitudes that address confession, blessed are the poor in spirit, the bankrupt before God, are, uh, and blessed are then, secondly, those who mourn, those who are contrite. So we, you've probably, if you're a Christian, you've even prayed for those things. Uh, Lord, give me a heart that... Um, is uh, understands my need for Jesus and give me a heart that grieves my sin. But let me ask you, when's the last time you prayed for meekness? Lord, make me meek. Uh, it's not a prayer that you'll hear often. It's, it's a, not a concept with which we're familiar. Uh, we don't really have a sense of its significance. Uh, that is partly due to the culture in which we live. We are, uh, again, we live in a culture that is so contrary to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the culture of our world says, blessed are the bold. Uh, blessed are the determined. Uh, blessed are those who believe in themselves, who listen to their heart and follow their dreams. I mean, it is the theme of nearly every Disney movie. I can't uh, say I've, I've watched every Disney movie, but I, I bet if you just look it up this week, you'd be amazed. It's the same message. Believe in yourself, follow your heart, pursue your dream. Uh, blessed are those people. Uh, I think one of the best first lines uh, in, a, uh, in a book 
There are, there are several I have in mind, but one of the best is Rick Warren's book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, where the first sentence in the book is, uh, reads like this, it's not about you. Uh, you. You could close the book really after that, and if you just learned that lesson, it would have been a worthwhile read. Uh, it's, it's not about you. Because we're, we're born believing quite certainly it, it is about us, and, um, and yet that spirit, it's about me, uh, is directly contrary, as we're going to see tonight, to the, the blessedness of meekness. Meekness understands it's about something vastly greater and larger, and we get to enjoy the strength that that gives. So I'm going to look tonight, first of all, what does it mean? What is the meaning of the word? We'll look at some examples and then some, um, some what is it going to look like in our life? And then what's the blessing that God attaches to it? Um, I, well, let's just plug it, plow in. If you look up uh, meekness in the dictionary, there'll be obviously many different dictionaries. One that I looked up said this, meekness uh, is defined as mild and it speaks really about a characteristic of personality, quietness of nature. Uh, another, number two, was cowed, showing submissiveness or lack of initiative or will. If you grab a thesaurus, you will find synonyms uh, like this, a passive, timid, docile, lily-livered. Uh, is that what Jesus has in mind? Blessed are the passive, blessed are the docile, the, the timid, and the lily-livered. No, that's, uh, that's most certainly not what Jesus has in mind. Meekness actually is a magnificent word in Scripture that you find throughout Scripture. Uh, it's, it's what happens to people when they are being formed by the reality of God and realize it's not about them. Uh, boys and girls, do you, uh, maybe you've learned this already, but do you know how diamonds are made? They don't just show up at the store. Diamonds, the real thing, uh, are formed in unique, uh, a unique context. There has to be just the right combination of pressure and heat applied to rock, and that creates uh, diamonds. Most diamonds, that, that unique uh, combination of pressure and heat is found 90 miles below the ground, way, way down below the ground. Um, uh, the only way, there, there will be shafts, and that's how those diamonds come up to the surface where they can be mined. Another place where you'll find diamonds is where um, Earth has been impacted by an asteroid. Creates the same thing, that unique range of pressure and heat that form turns rocks into diamonds. Well, um, meekness is a diamond that is formed by, this, uh, by the pressure of the reality of God on uh, the life of a sinner. When, when a person is exposed to the truth of God, his character, his words, just who he is as God, and when that is properly applied, uh, the dull rock of a human heart is transformed and a new person happens and there's light that shines forth, reflected light, reflecting the glory of God. Sinclair Ferguson defines meekness this way. Meekness is that facet of Christian spirituality which describes a man or woman who has been humbled under the authority of God's word, submitted to the purposes of God's providences, and in whom then has been created a spirit of gentleness and grace toward others. And we're going to see tonight that meekness has those two directions. It is, first of all, oriented toward God, submitting to His Word and His providences, but then it, it moves towards people with gentleness and grace. 
One of the best ways to understand it is to look at examples, and the Bible gives us several. One would be Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, we are told that Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Well, uh, if you know Moses, I don't think meekness would be the first word that comes to mind. Uh, he was a very strong man, a very courageous man. But meekness is exactly the correct word. You see, Moses was uniquely formed by the reality of God, the Word of God, the purposes of God. Uh, he didn't come to that naturally. Uh, Moses, if you remember, when he was 40 years old, been raised in Pharaoh's household, and we're told that he was a, 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 a man who was mighty in his words and his deeds. He was, he was the deal. And, uh, and he knew that God had called him to lead Israel out of Egypt. And so he went out one day, 40 years old. He saw an Egyptian um, beating up on an Israelite. And so Moses took leadership by the reins and killed the Egyptian, apparently believing that this would be a rallying cry. The Israelites would, would gather around him, and they would uh, start a great revolution, and Moses would uh, lead them out of, his, out of Egypt. Well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, the, the Israelites rejected him completely. Uh, Pharaoh was after him, and so Moses ran for his life, ends up in the back of the Midian desert watching sheep for 40 years, 40 years, year after year after year. He's king of sheep, right? That's who he leads. And yet in that 40 years, Moses is being uh, under the unique pressure of the reality of God. Mo Moses is being uh, molded into a different kind of man. So when the burning bush happens, Moses is ready to recognize it's not about him. And, and so much so that when God says, this is what you're going to do, Moses tries to back out. Lord, I don't think I'm the guy. Send someone else. Uh, something's happened to Moses. Meekness has happened to Moses. And as Moses is... is uh, led by God, empowered by God, submitted to the Word of God, it becomes a mighty, mighty man, but the most meek man. Uh, Job is another example of a man who was profoundly meek. So Job was a righteous man. The, God was real to Job. And so when, when the Lord allowed the devil to destroy Job's family, to destroy his home, to destroy his health, do you remember what Job said? The Lord gives... The Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a high water mark of meekness. When, when God has allowed your life to be devastated and you submit to the character, the reality of God, you submit to the will of God and you worship, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's an unbelievable statement. It is what meekness says. Of course, the supreme example is, is Jesus Christ himself. Of all the men who've ever walked the face of the earth, no one was ever submitted to the reality of God and the will of God like Jesus. It was his meat to do the Father's will. It's what he lived for. And Jesus then being a man molded by the word of God and the purposes of God um, uh, was, was the, um, well, the... The paradigm. He was the, the absolute model of meekness. Sinclair Ferguson uh, points this out. He says that there's only one characteristic that Jesus ever referred to about himself. Jesus didn't talk about himself in terms of his 
character. He talked about himself as, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life in terms of his, his redemptive purpose. But Jesus doesn't talk about what he's like personally, except one time. When Jesus said, um, I am meek and lowly in heart. It's the one personal characteristic that Jesus tells us about himself. And this is it. I am meek, gentle is another word for it, and lowly in heart. This, this characteristic of, of a man thoroughly um, submitted to the word of God, trusting the providence of God, being used for the glory of God that we see in Jesus, uh, and, and, and in a way that moved him with compassion and gentleness towards people, you find that happening in the apostle's life. And so Paul will say in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Uh, Jesus was gentle and meek, particularly towards the lost sheep of Israel and the repentant sinners that were around him. He was strong in the word when he spoke to the the priests, the leaders, the scribes and Pharisees. And he would pronounce judgment on them. But there was a wonderful gentleness towards uh, the, the, the crowds who had, he had compassion on them or the repentant sinners. And Paul has the same gentleness as he speaks to the church. I entreat you with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Meekness, you see, is, is then created by, um, as we receive, embrace, are molded by the reality of God, we realize it's not about me. It's about something much grander. It's about, it's about God. And, and because God is who he is and God is related to me as he has in Jesus Christ, I am free not to be fighting to get what I want, what I think I need. I'm free to trust the Lord and to love people. And so when the apostles talk about meekness, it looks like loving people. And that's our second point, the practice of meekness. What will it look like in real life? Well, Paul tells us Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. That's, that just might seem to be a bar. How could I ever possibly, I'm just not that kind of person. How could I attain to that? Well, no, you're not that kind of person. No one is by nature that kind of person except Jesus. But this is, you see, what the gospel does in people's lives as we submit ourselves to the glory and goodness of God to us in Christ. Paul will go on to say, forgive each other as the Lord forgave you. That's that's the template, right? As God has dealt with us in Jesus, we're free then to deal with other people with that same patience, bearing with people. The next time, parents, that you're really frustrated with your children because they're just not obeying, would you just stop a moment and put yourself in your Savior's shoes as he has watched over you and born with your stubborn, rebellious heart? It'll, it'll, it'll bring you to start praying for your children instead of yelling at them. Because you realize they need Jesus just as badly as you do. And the gospel will come into play. That's exactly what meekness does. And it creates beauty in God's people. Peter, in fact, will tell uh, the women of the church too, don't, don't get carried away with outward adornment, but, but pay attention to that inner beauty of a quiet and meek spirit. That's 1 Peter 3 verse 4. Uh, Paul calls the church to clothe ourselves 
as God's chosen ones with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And one of the ways that's going to express itself is, is how we disagree with people or how we try to teach people. Um, there's, a, there's to be a spirit of meekness in that, particularly in leaders. Second Timothy 2, Paul writes to Timothy, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. That's our word, meek to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they might know the truth. Uh, teachers are to, are to be teachable. Teachers are to be patient, um, gentle. And, right? There's, there, there's to be a, a sense within that we're all under the same authority. And um, I don't have all the answers. I think this is what the text is saying. I'd like to show it to you and, and explain it to you. But, but if I'm wrong, brother, please show me. Sister, please show it to me as well. There's, there's to be a spirit of, of humility and gentleness, and we trust that God alone has all the answers, but, but, uh, but if someone is wrong according to the Word of God, then we, we try to speak to them and pray for them that God would give them the ability to see the truth. This is a wonderful, wonderful um, characteristic of the church. It's also Peter will talk about, that's how we're to deal with unbelievers. You don't yell at unbelievers. You don't berate them. You don't uh, try to uh, prove them to be wrong. Uh, how many people have come to Christ because they lost an argument? Not very many. Uh, people come to Jesus Christ because someone has come alongside and shown a truth about a God in Christ and about themselves. But there was a spirit of humility and, 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 and gentleness that, that went with that. And, and Peter says, that's how we're to deal with unbelievers. Uh, in a spirit of gentleness, meekness. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about God. It's about our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus then promises that those who embrace uh, this lifestyle, and it's, and it's a lifestyle to be pursued. I, one of the things that just struck me as I was uh, studying this again this week is that these Beatitudes, they're not really commands, they're, they're indicatives. Jesus doesn't say, thou shalt be meek, but he does, he does um, say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What he's doing is trying to create in us a hunger for these things. These are invitations. Jesus knows where you live. He knows where I live. He knows we're prone to pride and impatience. And how, how are we going to be broken free from that? How do, you, how do you just get done with pride and impatience? Well, the only way it'll happen is, is, is you uh, are more and more aware of the reality of God, and, and that reality is molding you, particularly His love for you in Jesus Christ. And you begin more and more to trust His purposes for you, and you more and more are looking to Him and leaning on Him. Let's turn to Psalm 37, then, and, uh, and we're going to see this, because when Jesus uh, pronounces the blessing... They shall inherit the earth. Every Jewish person listening to him would immediately uh, have recognized Psalm 37. It's, uh, th those words are, are used three separate times in the psalm. <coughs> psalm 37 is, in a sense, a lesson in meekness. It's, there's a contrast here between those who are the wicked, who self-promote, who get what they can get, who make it all about themselves, and then uh, the, the, the righteous, the people of God, the meek. 
And we'll just pick it up right at the top. And if you have your Bible open, you can follow with me. Look at verse 1. This is a summary, verses 1 and 2. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. If you're fretting yourself because of evildoers, who has it become about? It's become about you. Um, Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And then there's a series of commands in these next verses of what it looks like to, to start being, uh, be people who are being formed by the reality of God. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's meekness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Another uh, reading of that could be feed on faithfulness. I, li- I like that better. Feed on the faithfulness of God. Think about it. Meditate on it. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's the next command. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Third command, trust in him and he will act. Look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And so God is just is saying, right, make your life um, more and more centered around the reality of God. Trust in him, delight in him, commit your way to him, be still and wait patiently for him. Because, verse 9, the evildoer evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. That's our blessing. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. That's our verse. You see the same phrase in verse 22. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Now, every Jew would have interpreted uh, Psalm 37, where it says they shall inherit the land to be Canaan, right? The promised land, Israel. So so the the blessing here is that as we um, submit ourselves to God, trust in God, wait on God, delight in God, God will bless his people in the land that he's given to them, and they shall have abundant peace. There shall be prosperity, the good life in the covenant of God there in the land of Israel. And that, and that is a promise of the old covenant and a promise that God's people enjoyed. When they did these things, and when they were submitted to the Lord, and that meekness of, uh, that comes from the reality of God was being expressed in righteousness in the land, uh, they flourished. You can, you can read it. But Jesus takes this, the, uh, this promise in Psalm 37 with a little twist. Because he doesn't say they shall inherit the land. What he says is they shall inherit the earth. The whole thing. It's, uh, it's a wonderful way of Jesus showing that he has greater purposes in mind than just the blessings that he provides uh, here and now for, for his people. So, um, how, how do we inherit the earth? Well, two ways. One, providentially. God does bless those who are being molded by his word and formed according to his will. Those who delight in his, his gospel, in his savior, his son. Those who are learning to wait on the Lord. They do feed on the faithfulness of God, and it's a good meal. Psalm 37, verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God really does work things out for those 
who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. I, uh, just yesterday, um, we got together as a family to celebrate mom and dad's 60th wedding anniversary. And mom and dad both just testified over the, uh, to the faithfulness of God in all those years. And uh, just thinking about what those years include. Uh, mom got married when she was 19 years old. Dad was 28. Um, she was, uh, when she was 22, she had four children. Uh, my older sister, my older brother, and then me and my twin. Um, so she's got uh, four children. A uh, few months after I was born, my older brother was hit and killed by a car. And so she's 22 years old um, and buried in children and diapers and mourning uh, the loss of a little Bobby who wandered out in the street and got hit by a car. Um, through the years, um, there were other just really, really hard things. Um, PBB hit our farm and we lost our whole herd in um, 1973. The house burned down in 1978, um, right before our eyes, just gone. Um, heartache after heartache after heartache, and yet uh, mom had a stroke a few years ago that uh, she's not recovered from. And yet their, their mom and dad stand, right, in their advanced years, and with trembling lips will testify that God's been faithful and good every step of the way, that they lack no good thing, that God has been gracious and kind all the way. Um, we do inherit the earth as those who belong to, to God. He does bless. He really, he really does bless. Providentially, we, we do not lack. The Lord is our shepherd, right? We lack, we lack nothing. But I think clearly that the, the, the most... Um, um, specific um, application of this is, is Jesus is talking about what's yet to come. He's in the Beatitudes. He'll do that from time to time, right? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And I think when Jesus is speaking about the earth, he's talking redemptively when, uh, when everything is, is actually ours. And Paul will say it's already happened, right? There's an already not yet. So Paul will, will say to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let no one boast about men. It's not about us. But all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. I, as, as a child of the king, everything belongs to you. Everything that's his is yours. And we experience that already in part, but of course we're going to experience it in fullness when Christ returns. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, 32, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, we, we live our lives with such blinders on, don't we? we? We look at our bank accounts. We look at our possessions. Uh, when we think about our wealth, our riches, we'll, we'll think of family and friends and health uh, we'll, we'll, from time to time. But when we think about wealth, we think about what's in the bank or, or um, what it could be, might uh, be sold for. Um, Jesus wants to blow that paradigm apart and, and get us to see blessed are those who are rich in God because they have everything. Blessed are those who trust in him and delight in him and commit their way to him and wait upon him. Uh, theirs uh, is the whole earth. Blessed are the meek. Those formed by the reality of God and, and the fruit of that then flowing out in gentleness and kindness to others. You see, when, when it's not about you, when, when, when we sort of let that go and we let it be about God 
And then and as, as God moves and changes us so that we begin to live and think and care about other people, you'll have the experience of wealth, of blessedness, of richness. Um, as you know that you're, you're living according to your Father's purpose and you're living following your Savior's steps and you're living by the influence of the Holy Spirit who's been given to you and you're, and you're walking now um, with God's people in God's world looking for the world that's yet to come. Friends, these are invitations. And so let me just ask you as we wrap up, what, what will meekness look like in your life this week? If we just take Jesus at his word, this isn't just a sermon from Pastor Dale, this is Christ Jesus talking to you from his word. Blessed are the meek. What would that look like? In your, if you're going to pursue that blessing this week, let me just suggest a few things. It looked like uh, a, a prayer. Lord, give me the gift of meekness. I want to be meek. I want to be a person who's being formed by the reality of God in truth. I want to be a person who, who trusts the Lord in all things. I want to be a person who submits to the providences of God, even today with the flat tire or the rain, whatever it might be. Submit to the providence of God. Embrace the providence of God. I want to be a person who is delighting in Jesus. As I remember the gospel, as I remember who he is and what he, what he did for me. And then, and then as I have God on the forefront of my mind, I want to be a person who is empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a kindness and a gentleness and a patience that was never there before. Towards my spouse, my children, my coworkers, where there's actually something happening in my heart. I'm being transformed by the reality of God, the truth of Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sensing the wonder of meekness beginning to invade my life. May God grant that for all of us, for his glory. Amen. Oh God, our Father, we want to be meek. We want this beatitude, this attribute of people who are more and more being formed not by the world, not by the news, not by our desires, not by our fears or our hurts, but people who are being molded by the word of God, the reality of God, the glory of God. Oh, Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see you then, to see what you've done for us in Jesus Christ so that we, we delight in Jesus, that we trust in Jesus, that we wait patiently upon Jesus. And that, Lord, as we are humbled in that beautiful way, we talk differently to our spouse. We bear with our children. We're kind to people who maybe haven't been kind to us. We bear with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We forgive those who've sinned against us and things are repaired. Lord, I pray that you would give us this, this precious gift. And Lord, that it could flow not only in this, in this room and the relationships in our lives, but Lord, spill out into the world around us. And that we could engage people with this beautiful, kind confidence in Christ, this gentleness as we bear the witness to the truth that you could use, Lord, to, to accomplish your work through our words and our lives. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to the word tonight. Good shepherd of my soul.
Come dwell within me.